good to be with you all this morning. Uh, I was uh, struck by a story last week that I came across. It was actually a, thank you, it's actually an older story from a few years back about um, A.J. Jacobs, the author of A Year of Living Biblically, is he went on this journey to thank everyone involved in making his morning cup of coffee. So he started by thanking the barista who served him his coffee and the man at the coffee shop who chose where to source the beans from. Taking this journey one step further, he, he thanked the truck driver who delivered the coffee to the local shop, as well as the people who paved the road that he took to get to the coffee shop. Taking it yet another step further, he thanked the people who invented the coffee cup and lid that they used, uh, the woman who did the pest control at the warehouse where the coffee was stored, and the people who work at the New York Reservoir who ensured that there was water for his coffee to be made with. He ended up going all the way to Columbia to thank the people who had grown uh, the coffee that he used in his morning cup. He called this journey, Thanks a Thousand, because by the end of it, he had thanked over a thousand people for their part in, in making his morning cup of coffee. When asked why he went on this journey, AJ spoke about the negativity that he had been struggling with. He said that he had had this grumpiness and anxiety that negativity seemed to be breeding within him. And he found throughout this journey that gratitude and thankfulness helped him push back against that. He would say that in the beginning of the journey, as he would wake up in the morning, he would wake up in his normal state of grumpiness and negativity, and then he would force himself to write a thank you note or pick up the phone and call someone and thank them, and it would change his whole outlook on his day. And by the end of the journey, he no longer woke up in a negativity, and he was in this wonderful habit of saying thank you. Gratitude, he said, transformed his life. Gratitude transformed his life. So I went down a little rabbit trail and found that there is some research that backs up what A.J. Jacobs had claimed. According to Harvard Health Publishing, negativity can make worse the health problems we already suffer from. It can give us more aches and more pains and more unhappiness. But being thankful, gratitude, it's one key to living a happier life. People who regularly express that they are thankful report being more energetic, happier, more spiritual, more humble, more forgiving than those who do not. So while negativity can breed within us more negativity and more anxiety and make things worse, positivity, which includes thankfulness, thankfulness pushes back against all of that and helps us. In other words, Gratitude can change your life. And this reminded me of a story from the Gospel of Luke. It's a story about saying thank you. It's a story about how much gratitude can indeed change your life. So if you're able this morning, I invite you to stand for the reading of the word from Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. Hear the word of the Lord. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. 
And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them came back. When he saw he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So Jesus is traveling from Galilee down to Judea, the area where Jerusalem is. And he's traveling with this group of disciples, which the Gospel of Luke reminds us is more than just the 12. There's also a group of women who who help fund Jesus' ministry and travel with him. And some of them have been healed of, of evil spirits and diseases. And sometimes there's a larger or smaller crowd that also travels with him, made up of men and women and probably children, who are just eager to hear his teachings. So as he's traveling with all this group of disciples, no matter uh, how big or small it had been at that time, he's going along the border between Samaria and Galilee, and he's approached by 10 men who are suffering from a contagious skin disease that the Bible refers to as leprosy. The story says that the men came to Jesus while he was still outside the town. So he hadn't yet gone in to the town, and, and this reminds us just how isolating this disease of leprosy was in the time of Jesus, that those suffering from it were often removed from their homes and their families and their communities, and they often all lived together outside of normal society so as not to spread their contagious disease. What often made this worse was that leprosy was considered a religious defilement, making someone ritually unclean. So it essentially excommunicates you from your religious community. The story also says that they shout to Jesus from afar, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. So they know that they're supposed to keep their distance. They know that they're supposed to be cautious. So Jesus responds to their plea and tells them to go and show themselves to the priest. Seems like kind of a weird response when you don't know the context. Uh, But the removal of leprosy was actually regarded as an important religious matter. You had to go and be seen and inspected by the priest in order to be considered ritually clean again. So Jesus instructs them to go to the priests, and as they're on their way, they're cleansed. So this story brings up a lot of questions for me. So I read it, and I think, first of all, how far on their journey were they? As, until they realized that they were healed. Like, had they taken a few steps and then they realized it? Or had they gone a mile or two? And, and what did it look like when they realized they were healed? Was it that they were walking and their pain suddenly left them and they, they took off their bandages and saw that their skin was cleansed? I keep wondering, had any of these men lost fingers or limbs to this disease? And if so, did they grow back? You know, like what, what did this look like? The Gospel of Luke doesn't give us a lot of these details. But it does give us one important detail. It says that only one of the ten who were healed came back to thank Jesus. 
One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Only one came back. It's kind of hard to comprehend, right? I mean, if you're imagining it, you're, you're there and you've, you've contracted this contagious disease that has taken your whole life away. You are no longer allowed to live with your family and your community. You're no longer allowed to worship in the synagogue. And then a traveling rabbi comes by and heals you. And it doesn't occur to you to go back and say thank you. I mean, it's kind of hard to wrap your head around. And, and this wasn't just like one person who didn't remember. Nine out of ten of them didn't go back. Growing up, my dad always had a few sayings that he would cycle through with us kids in various situations. One of those was, well, there's two kinds of people in this world, those who are thankful and those who aren't. And he would usually say this when he was really impressed by someone, when someone like went out of their way to show that they were really grateful for something that had happened. And he wanted to point out this behavior to us so we could imitate it. So he'd say, hey kiddos, it, there's two kinds of people in this world, those who are thankful and those who aren't. And we understood that as, a, as a, something that we should be emulating, that thankfulness was something our dad really valued. But my dad would also say this when one of us kids wasn't being very grateful and someone did something for us like opening a door or, or picking, something we had, picking something up that we had dropped. And if we didn't say thank you, he'd say, well, there's two kinds of people in this world. My dad was asking us what kind of person we wanted to be. Did you want to be one who was thankful or not? So when I read the story about the 10 who were healed and the one who comes back to say thank you, I can kind of hear my dad's voice in my head. You know what, Buggo? There are two kinds of people in this world. There are two kinds of people in this world. That one was a grateful person. Yeah, the story brings to mind so many questions. But the main one that comes to my mind when I read this story really has to do with Jesus' response to the one who comes back, the one who was thankful. Jesus asked, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. So in verse 14, we saw that Jesus has already cleansed all 10 people. They are healed on their way to go to the priest. So what does Jesus mean here when he says that this man's faith has made him well? Wasn't he already made well? I think there is more going on here. And when you dive in, you see that that's true. There's more going on here than simple physical healing. So the Greek word used earlier in the story to describe the cleansing of all ten is katharizo, which can mean to make clean, to purify, to physically heal. It's the normal Greek word used in the New Testament to describe when people are cleansed from something that had made them ritually unclean. It's the word you would expect to see in the story about someone who's healed from leprosy. So all ten are cleansed in this way. All ten are katharizo. 
Then by being physically healed, they are given the chance to be seen by the priest and be completely brought back into society. But the Greek word used in Jesus' last statement, to the one who was grateful, is a different word. This is sozo. And while it can also mean to cause someone to be well after being sick, it has other meanings, like to be delivered, to be rescued, to experience divine salvation. It's the same thing that Jesus says to the woman in Luke 7, a few chapters earlier, when she interrupts the dinner party and washes his feet with her tears and wipes them with her hair. He says to her, your faith has saved you. Sozo. All ten men were katharizo, but only one was sozo. All ten were physically healed, but only one was delivered, rescued, experienced divine salvation. His thankfulness, his deep sense of overwhelming gratitude shifted something within him, and something else miraculous happened. His show of gratitude to Jesus revealed his quality of faith. Your faith has made you well, has saved you. Gratitude transformed his life. Because there's a connection here in this story between gratitude and faith. Research may indeed show us that gratitude has the power to transform our lives by making us happier or more energetic or more forgiving. And I think that's wonderful. But I think this scripture also shows us that something more is going on here. That gratitude shows, that it shows us that gratitude plays this role in the lives of our faith that, that goes beyond just what's on the surface. And that makes sense to me. Because to be grateful, to be thankful, that's to acknowledge that there's something good in your life and that the source of that goodness came from outside of you. It's to notice that the things in our lives that are good, at least in part, have to do with other people or with God. And I think that thankfulness helps us connect to that something larger, something outside of ourselves, partly because it's kind of like a magnet that draws us, like this man, to the feet of Jesus, the source of being restored, the source of transformation. This one man was healed and was so grateful for this good gift of health that he recognized it came outside of himself. He recognized Jesus was the source of that good thing. And so he was drawn back to the feet of Jesus where he could be transformed. And in a world where physical health isn't lasting, that is. Because the point of worshiping Jesus isn't our own prosperity, right? We don't worship God because we think that God is a vending machine who will give us anything and everything that we ask for. We recognize that we live in a broken world and that we won't experience the fullness of God's kingdom until Jesus comes back. But we know that God loves and cares for us. This story shows that God even cares for our physical lives. But we believe that there is something more lasting in this world than physical health, and that is the life transformed by Jesus. So there is this connection between gratitude and faith. 
Luke 17 shows us that gratitude can change your life in a way that outlasts the physical. Billy Graham once said, a spirit of thankfulness is one of the most distinctive marks of a Christian whose heart is attuned to the Lord. A spirit of thankfulness is one of the most distinctive marks of a Christian whose heart is attuned to the Lord. In other words, if we're Christians whose hearts are attuned to the Lord, then our lives will be marked by thankfulness. People will know us because we say those words. We show that in how we live. The one who came back, the one man was grateful. His heart was attuned to the Lord. He was healed and his healing led to wholeness because he didn't lose sight of the one who'd done the healing. This was a day to celebrate, right? For all 10 men, they had been restored. This was probably a day of, of reconciling and meeting their family and friends again and going back to the synagogue again. But for the one man, that would all have to wait because he wasn't focused just on his healing but on the source of that healing. He was drawn back to Jesus and fell at his feet. There are two kinds of people in this world. What kind of person are you? What kind of people are we? If someone wrote our story down and someone else read it 2,000 years from now, what camp would they put us in? Would we be considered a thankful people, a grateful people? Although it seems shocking as I read this story to see that nine out of 10 people didn't come back to thank Jesus. It seems easy to judge it when I'm reading it in the story, but if I'm honest, I feel a little twinge of guilt when I read it as well. Because it, of all the questions that this story causes me to ask, the final one is, what kind of person am I? <laughs> am I like the one? Or am I like the nine? Am I the kind of person who is grateful? Am I the kind of person who, who can't see outside of myself? Am I the kind of person who can't sense when something good is happening for me from an outside source, from other people, or from God? If I'm honest, some days I look more like the nine. Some days, no matter what it is that I'm dealing with, and whether really good or, or really difficult, I, I struggle to look outside of the things that I am carrying. I struggle to recognize the good things in my life and to thank the people and the one who is responsible for that. And sometimes, sometimes I'm better than that. <laughs> sometimes I'm more like the one. Sometimes I can turn my back on, on pride or selfishness or even just the burdens that we carry. Sometimes I'm able to recognize the good things in my life and where they come from and the words of thankfulness on my lips. There are two types of people in this world. Am I like the one or the nine? So I'm finding that it takes practice to be a grateful person. I'm finding that gratitude is kind of like a muscle that can seem really weak in the beginning, and as you work it out more and more, then it becomes easier. 
I'm finding that the more I see what others do for me, the more that thank you is on my lips, the more I focus on what God has given me rather than what I feel I'm lacking, the more I do all of those things, then the easier it becomes to keep doing them. The more my mind shifts towards Jesus and others and it just becomes easier. I'm finding the truth of that story about A.J. Jacobs in his journey of thanks a thousand that gratitude can change your life. Gratitude can change your life. But I'm learning that it is because gratitude draws us back to the feet of Jesus, who is the source of that transformed life. So I invite you to join me in something this week. When you came in, you were given a bulletin, and inside that bulletin, there was a thank you card. If you have that with you, would you just pull it out? You can take a look at it. Thank you to Jen, who ensured that we all had these today. If you didn't get one this morning, if you didn't see it in your bulletin, there are more in the baskets in the lobby, so please grab one on your way out. But I just want you to take that out and look at it. Um, Because this week, I want you to take that home and pray about it and ask God if there's someone, like to bring someone to your mind who you could say a special thank you to this week. Someone who's done something good for you or for someone that you love that you want to reach out and just show your gratitude. There are lots of ways to practice gratitude and that could be keeping a gratitude journal, writing down the things that you're thankful for every day or saying those things to someone else. You could Begin prayers. This is one habit I've tried to get into is begin your prayer time with saying thank you for things rather than asking for things. Or I think this is a great way. When I was trying to think of some way we could do this all together this week, I thought, why don't we all try writing a thank you note? So I invite you to join me in writing one this week. I'm going to be doing that too. Um, And we'll practice that practice of gratitude this week together. There are two types of people in this world, those who are thankful and those who aren't. May we be a people who are thankful. May we be a people who, like A.J. Jacobs, go out of our way to thank those who bring the small joys to our life, like a cup of coffee. May we be like the one who was drawn back by gratitude to the feet of Jesus. And may we be a people to experience and know the power of gratitude to transform our lives. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Loving and everlasting God, thank you for bringing us together this morning. Thank you for what you have done for us, freeing us from the powers of sin and death. Thank you for the transformational power that your Holy Spirit brings in our lives. We love you, and it is in your name we pray. Amen.